Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. He who is born in your house or bought with money from any stranger who is not your descendant. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin That person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abraham, we'll go on into the next verse. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? We'll finish there. I'll uh, swap over. Okay, so definitely I would be much rather there for listening to Roger so I can understand how you might feel uh, this morning. Um, as I, since I'm substituting for him, a man, another man I heard was, was substituting for another preacher one Sunday because the original preacher couldn't make it. And just as he got up to speak, he noticed that one of the glass, one of the windows had been broken and covered up by a, a board. And in his introduction, He compared himself to the board, as opposed to the nice stained glass window that he was covering up. And afterwards, a lady came up to him and said, Preacher, she said, you weren't a substitute, you were a real pain. Well, (laughs) draw from that what you will. We trust God's in this, and uh, God has a word for you.
Yesterday afternoon I was uh, thinking, beginning to think, obviously, and wondering what to preach on. did a lot of thinking and praying. And I knew I had to go back to some of my notes in the past and uh, think, well, what have I preached on and uh, what sort of message would be right. And uh, I decided I would go back to Abraham this morning and preach about him. If it's familiar, I have preached about this before. If it's familiar, that's an encouragement to me that you haven't forgotten everything that I say. Now, it might seem a bit strange preaching on Abraham at Pentecost. Well, I hope to show that there is a connection and and hope to bring that out. Just a little bit of background to Genesis 17. I'm sure many of you are familiar that Abraham was called by God to leave his home, leave all of his friends, leave his family roots in Mesopotamia, and to set off on a long journey to a land that he'd never been to, but he trusted God, that God knew what he was doing, to a land called Canaan. It was also revealed to him that he had to leave his, 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 his gods. It's likely that he would have been part of that culture, and uh, a pagan culture with a false religion, and that he was to become a worshipper of the one true God, the living God. And uh, God gave him promises, lots of promises, uh, which included that the land of Canaan would be his inheritance, and that even though he was without a son, and he was an old man, 99 years old, and his wife was 90 years old, way past bearing age, that he would become the father of a multitude of people, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach, and that this would be through Sarah, having a child. And that's where chapter 17 comes in. And God appeared to Abram as he was. Verse 1 says, Abram walked blameless before God. He sought to please God in everything. The response of Abram is in verse 3. Then Abram fell on his face. Uh, This was to God speaking to him. And God, verse 3, God talked with him saying, verse 4, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So before this, this encounter with God, he was Abram, and God changed it to Abraham. And the change in the English wording mirrors the Hebrew too. I'm not a Hebrew expert, but according to my Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew for Abram sounds like Abram. Abram. And that was changed by God to Abraham, which in the Hebrew is Abraham. So it's still the her. So the her sound, if you're into English, you know that's an aspirate sound. And it's the expulsion of the breath. The Abraham. And uh, words like, you can have, I was looking on, I was checking up on this before because my English is rubbish. 
you can have top, t, and it's a, or hat, it's the expulsion of the breath, that's an aspirate sound. So inserted into Abraham was the h, which indicated that from that time on, the breath of God was in Abraham, in his new life following God. And it was the breath of God that brought the changes that God wanted in his life. Now the breath in scripture, breath, just as breath, is synonymous with the spirit. In Ezekiel's vision, you don't need to turn to it there. Ezekiel's given this vision of the dry bones, a valley full of dry bones. And uh, the bones represented the deadness of God's people. And then it says that God spoke to Ezekiel saying prophesy to the bones. And say come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. And he prophesied and the breath entered into them. And they came to life and stood upon their feet a vast army. So the breath was the spirit of God. The presence of God. At Pentecost, we've referred to that obviously at the beginning, the, the, the Holy Spirit came and the, it was like a, 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 the, the place was filled with a, what sounded like a mighty rushing wind. The breath of God. In the Hebrew, the word for breath, spirit, is breath. Ruach. And that's the same in the Greek. It's the Greek for spirit is pneuma, which is breath. So breath is a symbol of the spirit. When Jesus was with his disciples, after his crucifixion, in that in-between period, it says he breathed on them, doesn't it? And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So that was a symbol of them receiving the Holy Spirit as he breathed on them. And we sing some lovely hymns. Um, we're going to be singing one at the end. Breathe on me, breath of God. Breathe on me, Holy Spirit. Oh, breath of life, come sweeping through me. Revive your church with life and power. So Abraham had the breath of God, the Spirit, into him, and he became Abraham. And it was the same with Sarah, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, Sarah. And that shall be her name. So there's even the parallel in, in, in the English with Sarah. And, and those names represented the Spirit of God. The change that God wanted to bring. And there's some lovely parallels between what happened to Abraham and Sarah with what happened to Pente at Pentecost and what God wants to do in our lives today. The first thing we find is that the Holy Spirit brings new life. The Holy Spirit brings new life. The old name Abraham meant exalted father. Abraham means exalted father. The addition of the breath, Abraham, changed that meaning from exalted father to father of a multitude. 
So in that name change, there was that wonderful promise of life to come. So much life that's going to come through Abraham. I was thinking of Tony. Perhaps we should rename you. Tony. <laughs> or, or Thorny. <laughs> Whatever. There's life going to come in Tony's ministry. God's going to bless him with fruit. Because the Spirit of God is in him. And the Holy Spirit will bring many people to Christ through him. And that will be seen in other people like yourselves benefiting from that ministry. His ministry. As we're equipped and encouraged to serve. Sarai meant my princess. Whereas Sarah, according to John MacArthur's Bible commentary... Sarah removes that personal pronoun, so it takes away the my to just princess. Because she was to become not just Abraham's princess, but the princess of many people. Because of the multitudes that would be given her through that one son. And chapter 17, verse 16 says, this is the promise, and I will bless her. This is, this is a promise. To, we think of Abraham's promises, don't we? This is Sarah's promise. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Now she was barren. She was 90 years old, for goodness sake. You don't have children when you're 90. Well, most people don't. Most women don't. But God saw what he was going to do because of the Spirit coming into her life. And you and I, we are barren spiritually until the Holy Spirit comes in. God's got more to do in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to make you fruitful. He wants to change your name, if you like. To bring in the her, to bring that breath. And in, with many, he's doing that already. It's a, you've already had that name change. What happened to, the, uh, to Abraham and Sarah happened to the disciples, didn't it? The uh, Pentecost. Before the Spirit came, they were doubting. They were fearful and scared. They were feeble. They felt feeble. They were unbelieving. They were quarrelsome. And then... Something happened. The her came, the breath, the Spirit of God changed that. Just uh, t turn with me to John's Gospel, if you've got the Bible. John's Gospel, chapter 14. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit to those disciples. John 14, verse 16. Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever verse 17 even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you and then Jesus goes on to say I Jesus I will not leave you orphans I will come to you I will come to you and that's, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the reality of Christ into the life of the believer. 
those disciples at Pentecost suddenly began to experience something that they'd never experienced before, the reality of Christ in their lives. Just, uh, just pause there. How, have you fallen in love with Jesus? Is Jesus so precious to you that everything else pales into insignificance? Because that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to enjoy Christ. He brings the reality into our lives. So those disciples before Pentecost, in a sense, as they were waiting, it was head knowledge. They knew about Jesus. They knew the physical Jesus, of course. But in terms of the spiritual reality, that was just head knowledge. Then, suddenly, the Spirit of God came. The fullness came. They were filled with the Spirit. And suddenly... They were thrilled with Jesus. He became the most important person in their lives because of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So if you feel that your love of Jesus is a bit flaky or not strong, it's a bit weak, and really you'd love more of him in reality... The answer is, it's the Holy Spirit who will bring that as you give him more of your life. And as you yield more of your life to him. And as I do that, and as I open my heart to him and let him, through his word, bring the truth into my lives about Christ, he takes that and he opens my eyes and my heart and my inner, the inner experience of my being, as it were, to receive more of Christ and understand more of him. So he brings life. Secondly, we learn he brings a new identity. Second thing we learn from Abraham's name change. The Spirit brings a new identity. Going back to Genesis 17, just verse 5. Again, let's just read that. No longer shall your name be Abraham. Ham, remember Abraham meant lofty father or exalted father, but from now on you will be called Abraham, which means father of a multitude, father of a multitude. I can imagine Abraham sort of introducing himself, hi, to someone, I'm Abraham, my name's Abraham, and people would say, wow. What a great name that is. How awesome. So, how many kids have you? Father of a multitude. And Abraham said, uh, none. And they say, well, how old are you? And he would say, 99. And they would say, well, I bet you've got a younger wife. And he would say, yeah, she's, she's 90. And they would say, you have a problem. 90? 99? And your name is father of a multitude? You've got an identity problem. Because the name symbolized the person. But he didn't, did he? Because he had a wonderful identity. Because of what God gave him. 
God saw him as the father of multitudes, even when he had no son. What's your identity? I tell you, if you're a Christian, I tell you, you've got a new identity. Your identity is this you are hidden with Christ in God. That is your identity. That's your new creation status. You are hidden with Christ in God. For you died, Colossians 3 3, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He puts the person, the new believer, straight away into Christ. And that speaks fundamentally of who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. And friends, we need to be constantly, and I need to be constantly reminded of that. That I am a new creation in Christ. I am hidden with Christ in God. When God looks at me, he does not see what I, used, what I am or used to be. He sees Jesus. He sees Christ. I am not defined by my ongoing struggles. And neither are you. You're not defined by your difficult situation or the challenges you face or the personal problems. You are defined by the fact that you are a child of God in God's eyes. You're a new creation in Christ. You are considered as Jesus by the Father. He loves you as much as he loves his son. That is amazing. You think of the Father's love for the Son, and yet He loves me as a child of God with the same infinite, amazing love that He has for His Son. That love is bursting, if you like. And that's what the Holy Spirit brings into our lives, a new identity. And He gives us a new power to live out that identity so that we actually, there's a consistency there. You know, in... uh, uh, in that passage I quoted in Colossians, which talked about us dying, um, having died and we're hidden with Christ in God, Paul goes on to say in, in Colossians, uh, let me just read this, verse 12, he says this, Therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, friends, that's where we are. We are called, because of our new identity in Christ, we are called to live out that. We are called to be different as, as believers. We're called to be full of the love of Christ. So we're called to forgive. We're called to have those tender mercies for one another. Knowing who I am helps me not to be bound by the difficulties or the problems or the defeats or, the, or the, just the things which would drag us down. We need to keep our eyes on what God sees. And knowing that and relying on the Spirit brings the power to live out and be the person that God wants us to be. He brings a new life, a new identity. He brings new joy. And uh, the uh, IVP commentary on this passage in Genesis, it said about Abraham and Sarah's name, 
This is what the commentary said. It's curious that both name changes in the Hebrew introduce the sound aha, as though God is breathing laughter into Abram and Sarai. And, of course, Sarah goes on to conceive and give birth to a baby son, and she calls his name Isaac, and Isaac means laughter. He laughs because he brought such joy into their lives. And friends, that's what the Holy Spirit does, doesn't he? He brings joy. He brings a wonderful joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And uh, God brings by his Spirit joy. That was true at Pentecost. And uh, they were so, those disciples were so filled with joy that they wanted others to share that joy. And uh, they were given great power to experience the joy of the Lord and to pass on that joy. So they weren't afraid of people. They, they, they actually weren't afraid of, of bearing testimony even when it was difficult, even when it was hard and, and people were hostile to them. They weren't afraid to swim against the tide because they had such joy in their heart. I don't know if you've ever had to stand or speak in the face of a hostile crowd. When you think of Peter, you know on that day of Pentecost, standing up to preach, in that vast crowd were many who had been responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. And he was going to say it to them straight. He was going to tell them. He wasn't wasn't going to sugarcoat it. He's going to tell them, you crucified the Son of God, the Messiah. But he had boldness to do that. I was thinking about the politicians. You know, they, they have to put up with a lot of stick, don't they? You know, you get used to speaking against people or with, to people who are very, very hostile. But actually, most of us shrink from that. I heard about an old man who was driving down the freeway in America in his car. And his car phone rang and it was his wife. And she sounded alarmed and urgent. And she said, Herman, I've just heard the news. There's a car going the wrong way on Interstate 95. And she said, please be careful. And Herman said, darling, it's not just one car, it's hundreds of them. (laughs) The Holy Spirit helps us to go against the tide. To swim against the current. We don't like it. You know, we don't like being thought of as weird or funny, strange, one of those you know, a Christian. But the Holy Spirit brings that boldness. But it's not just a cold boldness. It is a joy that wants to share. So those two very powerful things work in our hearts. And we need to rely upon the Holy Spirit to give us that and pray for those opportunities. So just lastly, he brings, so he brings a new life. He brings a new identity. He brings new joy. And lastly, finally, He brings a new faith. He brings a new faith. Verse 4 and 6. God said to Abraham, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. Those uh, name changes were a associated forever with Abraham 
and Sarah with the promises of God. And those promises, you know, they, they were humanly impossible. They just could not be fulfilled. And yet God gave Abraham such faith, it says in Romans, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. And God wonderfully fulfilled that, didn't he? In, in bringing descendants that filled the world. We are the descendants. We're the fulfillment of this promise. We are the fulfillment uh, through this wonderful spirit of God coming upon the church. So the power of God. Selwyn Hughes said this, When God wants to turn a situation from despair to delight, all he has to do is breathe into it. Just like with Abraham and Sarah. He does the same, this is Selwyn Hughes, he does the same with the word impossible. He breathes into it and it becomes him possible. Maybe, I don't know, maybe someone here, you feel overwhelmed, you feel that you are just clinging on with your, your bare fingertips because of what life's done to you and what's happened. Maybe you're just meeting the challenges of, of life or of a job maybe, um, Maybe struggling with a long-standing habit and you've, you've, you've struggled with this over and over and over again and it's not, you're not seeing the, the victory over that. Maybe it's about staying in a marriage that's perhaps more pain than pleasure. Maybe the hope's been knocked out of you. There's all sorts of situations even God's people can go through. If you feel this morning that you've got no strength then you are in the right place for God to meet with you. Because God doesn't want your strength. He doesn't want your ability. He doesn't want all that you've got. He doesn't want your power. He just wants your total reliance upon his spirit. The Apostle Paul said this, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Our sufficiency, that's 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Our sufficiency is from God. It, it might surprise you. Paul struggled with feelings of inadequacy more than anybody else. Because he was called to more than anybody else is ever called to, or most of us will ever be called to. And he recognized that he had not, he just had no power to do this. He says, where's the sufficiency going to come? It's not going to come from me. Our sufficiency is of God. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Let me close. Has God breathed the Holy Spirit into your life? You say, yes, I'm a Christian. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I know. But have you, are you living as a Christian the Abraham life or the Abraham life? 
As a Christian, let's put it another way, which side of Pentecost are you on? Is the Holy Spirit filling your life day by day with the power that you need, with the love for God? Are you loving God's word? Is God's word important to you? That's a sign of being filled with the Spirit. Is your prayer life, is your praying really Spirit-filled praying because it's consistent and regular and you're pouring out your heart to God because God is moving in your life? It was the Swiss theologian Karl Barth when asked what he thought of the religious situation in Britain and on the continent said, what we are seeing is flat tire Christianity. That's a great phrase, flat tire Christianity. The word for spirit is pneuma, breath. In other words, the air's gone out. Are you living a flat tire Christianity type of life? If so, the Holy Spirit is waiting to refresh you because he is here he is waiting to renew you and if you sense this morning that you need to have the breath of life breathed afresh on you then I want to encourage you and invite you to come in faith to him to the source cry out to God Bring him everything that holds you back. If the sin, if the sin, sin in your life, or anything that you know is a blight upon your Christian life, and it's a shadow in your life, or just that there's something there, or maybe maybe it's just coldness or coolness or whatever it is, lack of faith, you bring that to God and lay it before His feet and say, God, come to me. I am sorry for where I, I need to be sorry. I, I need your forgiveness. But Lord, I need this filling. I need the Pentecost. I need the breath of life. And he says, I'll give that. If you seek me, I'll find it. You know, the greatest um, qualification for being filled with the Spirit, one of the greatest qualifications is this, just hunger. Simple longing, thirst, yearning, desiring what God wants. And a brokenness of heart that says I'm willing to put aside everything that would stop me. Let's pray. Let's pray. So friends, if you're, if you're desperate enough and your heart is soft enough this morning and perhaps broken enough, then you satisfy the requirements to receive the breath of God in a new way to be filled then come in faith cry out to God and ask him and all of us need this we all need the renewing of the Holy Spirit we need to keep on keep on being filled and so often we can just somehow lose some of that we become more like that flat tire Christianity so let's just take that moment. Later on, I'll ask the prayer team just to come to the front. And uh, I want to invite you, if you would value God touching your life in some area, or there's something that you just want to be God to move in, then I invite you to come and just one of our prayer team will pray for you. And they'll be sat at the front here. 
waiting for you. Come at any time for that. So, Lord, how we thank you for the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives. We thank you, Lord, on this day of, when we remember the day of Pentecost, on this Pentecost day, that the Holy Spirit came to bring life, came to bring an ident- this new identity, being in Christ. Brought, he brings the joy of the Lord into our experience, and Jesus becomes real. How we thank you for that. And he brings us the faith to believe these wonderful promises of God. So Lord, by your spirit, come, meet the deepest need of every heart, I pray. So that we live a life which is characterized not by Abraham, but Abraham. By Sarah. By the breath of God. So Lord, thank you. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to sing that lovely prayer to finish with, which is breathe on me, breath of God, fill me with life and you. We sing if the um, prayer team would like to come forward, um, remember the prayer team. And then we'll be ready and if anyone wants to come either as we sing or afterwards then do just come for prayer. Now let's stand.
of God, the Spirit of God, fill you, equip you, and may you walk in his power and in his strength in all that you do. Lord bless you, and uh, may he part you with his peace.